them. I'm like, forever rain. Nope. See, <laughs> yes. si, senor. sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross He suffered, from the curse to set me free. Sing, oh sing of my me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made me free I will praise my dear redeemer his triumphant blood he 
dead and made me free This is a mic check. Mike seems to be in the building.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Once again, I'm hiding behind the tree this morning. Hey, everybody on this side. We are so glad you're here today to praise the Lord and worship the Lord. Would you please stand with us this morning?
you've done for me. Jesus King 
Thank you, praise, praise Team Light. Huh? Right. We got the skeleton crew here this morning. This is the time of the year in a military community where a whole lot of folks go back home, wherever that might be, and I'm all for them getting able to go back home and reunite with family and, uh, and enjoy being around family. So you know what? God in his providence and goodness and grace and mercy sent us all kind of visitors today, and I just enjoyed getting to meet with some of you and talking with some of you. Well, all of you that I got to meet with, not just some of you that I'm yeah, I, I enjoy all of you, yes. And so good to have you here. So take a minute. The person next to you might be a visitor, first time. They might be from out of town, might be in town. But welcome them in the name of the Lord, First Baptist Church. Go ahead and have a seat. You're having way too much fun. We have a special request today, <clears throat> special request for prayer. And uh, some of you will know, some of you with uh, small children know that Nadia, one of our babysitters, is battling cancer. And she is in the emergency room right now. And so uh, very, very serious. Uh, so let's bow our heads in prayer and ask God to bless Nadia. And, of course, Gary, we're still praying for you, my friend, every single, every day, uh, sometimes, many times a day. So let's bow our heads together, unite in prayer. Our fathers, we bow before you. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the only Savior, the only God, the only one to whom we bow, to whom we worship. Father, we ask you as our Savior, as our Creator God, we ask you as our best friend that sits closer than a brother, we ask you as the great physician, as the one who heals, to be with Nadia right now, be with the doctors, and Father, I pray that you would give them whatever wisdom they need to know what to do and how to do it, and Father, if in fact um, they need to have surgery, then that they, you would guide them in that. If uh, whatever extent that surgery needs to be, if there's radiation that's required or, or chemotherapy or whatever it is, that you would bless her right now. But give her relief from the pain that she's enduring right now. God, take care of her, we pray. And Lord, we thank you for being with Gary and for taking him through a really tough time a year ago and now walking with him again through this valley. We pray that you would continue to restore and to heal and to bless and Lord, we thank you for the doctors and thank you for the nurses and for the procedures and all of that. But Lord, we acknowledge that there is no healing apart from you. So Lord, we ask you to work in the lives of these two we've mentioned and others, perhaps who with Noel with his, uh, the flu and that he's been battling for three weeks now and maybe others with things that we don't know about. God, take care of them and bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. 
And all of God's people said, Amen. All right. Now, if you are a first-time guest at First Baptist Church, I want you to do me a favor and reach into the seat back in front of you. They're down stuck into the pocket. There are some of these connection cards. We'd love to have a record of your visit with us here at First Baptist Church today. If you have prayer requests or you have questions, there's a place for you to write those down or check boxes on the back. If we can help you know the Lord, if we can help you figure out your next step. Ricky, hey, good to see you, my friend. Ricky is in the house. Let's give him a hand. All right, God bless you. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Man alive. Is, yeah, we'll, we'll carry on a little bit later. Okay, all right, good. So, like I was saying, fill these out. Now, we don't pass an offering plate here at First Baptist Church. I'm still questioning the wisdom of that. However, we have a offering box in the very back. Dan is blocking it right now. Uh, and... Uh, but yeah, so tithes and offerings of members go there. Uh, connection cards from visitors go there. So after the service, go ahead and, and put this, fill this out and drop it in. Right now, we're going to continue to worship the Lord. Now, look, when, when you sing, it's not just, this is not just fill for the service, okay? This is not, well, we, get, you know, we need to fill an hour, so let's put about 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes worth of songs in there. This is an act of worship. So as we say these words, don't just say the words. But think what they mean and mean it to God. It's an act of worship. You are worshiping the Lord by singing praises to his name. So let's stand together as we continue to worship the Lord together.
that split off in the wilderness and gave sustaining water to the Israelites in the desert land, that rock upon which Jesus said he would build his church, that rock is Jesus, and we trust him for every need we have, every problem, every valley we go through, Gary, every, every challenge, every difficulty, uh, he is our rock. And so I'm so grateful and thankful for him. Boys and girls, First Baptist Church, come on up to the front for a little lesson this morning. Come on down, and moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles and nephews and nieces, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, my apologies, 2 Timothy chapter 4. But we got, first I got a little lesson for the boys and girls here at First Baptist Church. So anybody else? All right, come on up. Uh, how do you take care of your hair? Anybody have any ideas? Yes, ma'am. You brush your hair, okay? That's a good thing to do. How, what else do you do with your hair? You get a haircut, okay? All right. I'm not sure my hair would like that. <clears throat> okay, now, how many know that rabbits and hares are a little bit different, but they're kind of the same? Do you believe me? They're big, and, and they have longer ears, usually. That's a hair. Okay, so that's a hair, and a rabbit has smaller ears, and otherwise they're, they're a lot alike. Now, how many, know, how many know the difference between a turtle and a tortoise? Yes, ma'am. Turtles swim. So turtles are around water a lot. And tortoises are kind of land-bound, right? So one day, uh, you, you probably know the story, don't you, about the hare and the tortoise, but so we don't get too confusing, we're going to call them the rabbit and the turtle, okay? <laughs> so the people out here can understand what we're talking about, okay? So the rabbit and the turtle, we're going to have a race. How many out here know this story, huh? How many, of them, how many don't have a clue what I'm talking about? You're thinking about going down to get uh, coffee out at the coffee shop right now because you think I'm out to lunch. Okay, here, here we go. So, so one day, the, the rabbit and the turtle were talking. How do turtles talk? What do they say? What do rabbits say? I don't know either. So one day, they were talking, and, and they said, we're going to have a race. Now, who do you think is going to win the race? The hare, the rabbit, the bunny. That's right, all three of them. They're going to win the race because the turtle is what? Slow. Ah, 
while. But that's where the story gets interesting, if you know the story, because they started out at a, they had a, a line, and that was the starting point, and they had a, an end over on the other side, and so they were going to race. And the rabbit got off to such a big start, he was like all the way over there, and he was almost, he's on his back, he's almost to the finish line, and the turtle was still right here. The doop, do doop, do doop, doop. Doop, doop, doop. And so, the, whoa, all right, thank you. Thank you so much. And so the rabbit was so far ahead, the rabbit decided to take a nap. And the turtle was going, doop, 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 doop. And guess what happened? The rabbit starts snoring. And the turtle started going, doop, 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 doop. And you know what happened? The turtle passed the rabbit and went across the finish line. Now, here's the story we're going to learn in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It's not always how you start out. It's how you end up. Not always how you start. It's how you end up. We got a whole brand new year coming up, 2020. In just a couple of days, we'll start off a whole new year. So we might start it. How many of you, you know, you've started this amazing diet on January the 1st, like for 100 years, right? And later on in the year, like January the 2nd, you're, it's not working for you. You know what I mean? It's just not working for you. So, so it's not how you start up. It's how you end up that's really, really important. We're going to find that out from the Word of God right after we have a special by Ellie. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> Let's pray, okay, boys and girls? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the blessings you give us, Lord. And I pray that you would help these young men and young ladies not only start out well, because they're in church, but to end up well. Father, many, many years from now, if you don't come back before then, that they would still be faithful to you, still be in your house, still love you, still serve you, still seek you. Father, we ask you to bless us as a congregation. God, help us uh, to keep on keeping on, to be faithful to you and to faithful to the duty that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the kids said? Amen. Amen. All right. Older kids right over here, fifth grade, uh, up to fifth grade, and then younger kids to your class. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, adults, we're going to learn. We've got way too much material for today, so I'm going to have to get going and, and get going pretty fast. So uh, out with the old, in with the new. How many have heard that, huh? Out with the old, in with the new. That's okay for some things like calendars. By the way, we have new calendars out there. Julie, are they on the back table? <laughs> I hear that voice. All right. Okay, so pick up a calendar or two and take those home with you. Uh, good, good to get rid of the old calendars. The old calendars won't do you any good. You've got to have a new calendar. Diets, it's good sometimes to have a new diet. The old ones aren't working right. It, resolutions, I'm not against having resolutions because I think it's a good idea every once in a while for us to say, you know what, I need to do something different. I need to do something maybe in a different way. So resolutions are good. Uh, good to get rid of things like um, milk that's expired. My kids, when they come over to our house, they go through our cabinets to find out what the oldest expiration date on whatever it is we have in our house. It's kind of like a game for them. Every once in a while, they find something. Oh, Dad, this, was, this expired in 2011. What is the deal? Well, we don't use it that much, so it lasts a long, long time. <clears throat> but there are some things that are good to keep. 
how many of you have a car that you bought one time that you wished you had right now? Let me see your hands. How many of you have? I had one. <laughs> now you laugh. I seriously did. It was a 1929 Chrysler Plymouth, wooden spoke wheels. This was the first car, suicide doors, had, had silver-plated handles inside. And it, no top, because the chickens and the crows and everything had uh, gotten rid of that. But I paid $35 for this car, $35. But I made a killing, because about a year and a half later, I sold it for 75 bucks. So... <laughs> Made a killing, yeah. And if I had it now, oh my goodness, there are not too many of those around. Old watches I've had and sold. Uh, I had a motorcycle that, uh, a Harley that I bought back three different times. I sold it and bought it back and sold it, chased it down a year and a half later, bought it back, sold it, chased it down again and bought it back. Every time I had to pay more for it for those crooks that bought it from me, then I sold it to them for. And, and every time, and then last time I registered it over in Imperial Beach, um, the lady said, you bought the same bike three times and paid taxes on it, registered it three times? I said, yeah. She said, are you married? Does your wife know what you're doing? <laughs> so, you know, friendships, uh, good to keep, good habits, good to keep. The old time religion, asking about, you know, are we conservative? How are we in our theology? You know what? It's my theology, my, the word of God has not changed in the 50 years that I've been in ministry. It has not changed. Not one iota, not one little bit. Uh, some things change. Styles change. Uh, you know, this used to be, um, we painted it, it was a different color, it was, in, you know, kind of in the 70s or maybe 60s uh, mode, uh, so, so we upgrade things, we do things differently, but some things uh, need, we need to keep, and 2019 is almost here, and potentially what we have are 366 days, because it's a leap year, 366 days in 2020 to serve God. You're ending this year the right way, in my opinion, because you're in God's house. Now, I hope that you'll start off the new year the right way in God's house, but I, I've learned through the years it's not only how you begin, but it's how you end up that's important. One time in high school, I was on a cross-country team uh, running, so we would run, usually average course was a couple of miles, and you'd run it for time, and uh, and then we go to the meets, and everybody, you know, get out there and get all psyched up and run. Well, on the way to one of the meets, I, I was kind of an average runner. On the way to the, one of the meets, I drank a carton of chocolate milk. And that was so good, I drank another one. And so we got lined up, and the gun went off, and I took off like a hare, like a rabbit. I mean, I was out. I passed up all of our First guys, you know, our leaders and runners passed up the other teams. I mean, I was just going like crazy. And I go past our guys and go, Jim, go, go, Jimmy, go. And about a mile into it, I don't like to think of as like chocolate cottage cheese going on, you know. And I'm telling you, and I won't go any further than that, except that I did not come in first place at that race. I did finish it, just barely, but uh, it's not how you begin always. It's how you end up. There are four men in 2 Timothy chapter 4. One began well and ended well. He ought to be the one you emulate. In verse 11 uh, of this, it says here, well, first of all, his name was Luke. He was a, a, a life a light bearer. That's what that means. Let me get to the reference so I can read the verse for you in chapter 
4, verse 11, it says here, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So Luke, uh, or Lucas means light, light giving, and he was an evangelist. He was a physician. Colossians 4.14 says, Luke, the beloved physician. He was an author, and not just of any book, not, not some uh, novel, but he was a, 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 a writer of one of the four Gospels and the history book of the New Testament, the book of Acts. He was a fellow laborer in Philemon verse 24. So he started off very well. In Luke 1, it says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most assuredly believed among us, no hesitation, most assuredly believed among us, we, we're not worried, we're not doubters, we, we know what we believe, even as they delivered them unto us from which the beginning were, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me. There's that empirical proof again. We were eyewitnesses. We were there. We're not going on hearsay. We, we saw, we experienced, we felt, we went through it. It seemed good to me also, Luke said, having had perfect understanding, complete understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto you in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty, certainty, certainty of those things wherein you have been instructed. He started out well, started out great. I mean, he hit the ground uh, running and, and ran his course, and he ended well. He says, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me, verse 11. Everybody else has kind of gone aside. They've fallen away, but Luke is still with me, Paul says. And so he began well, he ended well. That's the ideal, okay? So if you want to start 2020 right, end 2020 right, that's perfect. One man here in verses 14 and 15 began well, or began badly, and ended badly. Just the exact opposite. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom do you beware also, for he has greatly withstood our works. He, he began badly, he ended badly. Um, in 1 Timothy 1, 19, it says, Holding faith in good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So, I mean, Paul said, I've written them off. I've turned them over to Satan to, to, uh, to rebuke them uh, because they've, they've not kept that which was given to them to begin with in the, in the way of faith. So he began badly. He ended badly in verses 14 and 15 where we just read. So you and I know people who we think are just intrinsically evil. They just, they, 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 it's almost like they seek out the very worst. They want to do exactly what they want to do regardless of anybody else. In Proverbs 4, 14, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away for they sleep not except they have done mischief <clears throat> and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. I, I don't know uh, if I've known people who were inherently just absolutely evil, but there have been some like that. I think of Paul Pot, who had so many of his own, millions of his own countrymen slain, had babies ripped from their mothers and, uh, and machine gunned before their mother's eyes, and then the moms put to death. Uh, I think of people right now, Christians are being killed in various countries in Africa simply because they will not renounce their Christianity and will not embrace Islam. 
Uh, so we have people who are just evil. I mean, they're out for themselves. They're out for what they want. I, I counsel the, I have, I think this is the only time I've ever recommended divorce. I, I mean, it was, this lady, I'm convinced, was absolutely evil. And I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating. She just absolutely, and I felt like that she had crossed that line and broken that covenant in so many ways and so many times that I, I almost begged the husband to get out of that particular marriage. I don't normally do that. I just I think that we ought to work through problems. I think that we ought to try to resolve whatever the difficulties are and the differences are. Uh, but um, you know people perhaps who are just bent on evil. It's like they get up in the morning in order to do something bad, and they're not happy unless they do. So he he ended. Uh, badly. He began badly and ended badly. Don't be that person. There's a third person in verse 11 who began badly and ended well. And that is Mark. Uh, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you. So go get Mark. Uh, This is the kind of person who makes ministry a lot of fun because he began badly, but he ended well. He started out badly in Acts 13, 13, when Paul and his company loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. John couldn't handle for whatever, I don't know what the reason was. Maybe he was homesick. Maybe he was tired of the whole thing. Maybe he didn't like the persecution going along with preaching the gospel. I don't know what it was, but John Mark went home. By the way, John and John Mark are the same person called John, called Mark, called John Mark. Every Bible student knows that Mark left Paul and Barnabas while on a missionary journey in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 and 37, where it says, and after some days, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again, visit our brothers in every city where we have preached the word of God and see how they do. Paul made three missionary journeys into Asia Minor, planting churches as he went. Uh, Not only did he write most of the New Testament through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he planted numerous churches for the glory of God. In verse 37 of Acts 15, Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with him, who departed from them in Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Paul said, Barnabas, I I love you, man, but I'm not taking that guy again. He bailed on us last missionary trip. Remember that? We took him with us. Everything seemed to be going well. And then he just hightailed it. He took off, went home. And the contention was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas over this matter that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brothers unto the grace of God. So John Mark Blew it at first, but he wound up faithful. He ended well. 2 Timothy 4.11, B, take Mark, bring him with me, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So let's, let's recap just for a minute. So one began well, ended well. That's Luke. Uh, one uh, began badly, ended badly. That's Alexander. Another began badly and ended well. Are you following me? This is John Mark. I know I'm going fast. One began well, but ended badly. One started like I started that cross-country race where I had had two cartons of chocolate milk, began well, but he ended badly. And that's in verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So here would be Demas, began well, ended badly. In, Luke, uh, in Colossians 4.14, Luke, the beloved phys- physician, and Demas greet you. So at one time, 
He was with Paul in this battle, with Paul in the preaching of the gospel. He began well. And he was even counted as a fellow worker in Philemon 24. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. He was in the same class and same category as Luke. But he ended badly because he has forsaken us, having loved this present world. He started out well, but he ended up badly. Now, here's the application. This is the main part. If you, the other may get all confused in your mind, but remember this. In 1945, there was a, it was a great year for, uh, for rookie evangelists. Uh, there was a 27-year-old that used to pack out auditoriums and, and uh, stadiums to the tune of like 30,000 people. You might have heard of him. His name is Billy Graham. And he was just incredible. But how many of you, seriously, I'm going to ask this question. How many have heard of Chuck Templeton? One, two, three, four, five, six, about seven, eight, seven or eight. Okay. How many have heard of Bron Clifford? Nobody that I see. No hands that I see. Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford were thought of as the two evangelists with the most potential in 1947. Listen closely. They were the ones written up in Christian periodicals. They were the ones everybody lauded and praised and, and had good things to say. Templeton was called, quote, the most gifted, best used evangelist of God. They influenced leaders. They set attendance records. Uh, Templeton was tall, handsome, intelligent, eloquent. He was asked to audition for the, the Hollywood production of the, the, the Robe. I'm sure you're familiar with that movie. Billy Graham was kind of an also-ran. By 1950, Templeton, Chuck Templeton, decided he no longer was a believer in Jesus Christ. How do you go from incredible evangelists on fire, reaching people for Jesus Christ, <clears throat> packing auditoriums, thought of with the most potential of anyone in, the, in ministry, to renouncing your faith? In Jesus Christ. Don't let pride get the better of us to where we'd say we'd never do that. But I just am asking the question, how does that happen? He was no longer a believer in Christ. He became a media personality, having loved this present world. By 1954, Clifford had lost his family, had lost his ministry, had lost his health, and lost his life. Alcohol and financial responsibility had done him in. He died at 35 years of age from cirrhosis of the liver <clears throat> in a rundown motel in Amarillo, Texas. So here's the danger, okay? Here's the danger. It's not how you start out, it's how you end up. Pastor John Bizagno recounts as a young man being told that one out of ten stay true to the Lord and finish strongly. One out of ten. Okay, if we have 150 people here, what does that mean? 15 people? That's a scary statistic to me. And in fact, when I first read that in Steve Farrar's book, Finishing Strong, I really didn't, I, I thought that's one of those statistics that, you know, whatever. You know, statistics, 97% of them are made up. You know that, right? <laughs> I just made that up. So <clears throat> he could... Uh, and John Zagno couldn't believe it. He, he went home. He wrote down the names of 24 young men sold out for God. 33 years later, three of those names remain on his list. How many know John MacArthur? 
Huh? Yeah? Okay. In, in Scotland, he, he was approached by a pastor who was saved under the preaching of his dad, of, of John MacArthur's father, and along with two of his friends. And, and so John MacArthur asked him how his friends were doing, and, and he said one of them had denied the faith, the other was an alcoholic, one of three faithful 30 years later. Howard Hendricks, you know that name, uh, older name, but uh, Christian conducted a survey. He found about 250 men who experienced moral failure in a two-year period. Every, it's, I don't want to exaggerate. <clears throat> I would say every few months I hear about a, a preacher who morally fails, runs off with someone else's wife or um, has a drug problem or steals money from the church or, or whatever. A few years ago, a few years ago, I found a, um, a, a prayer journal from 1982, and I'd written the names of 32 people in my church at that time that I was praying for, 32 people I was praying for. Of those names, whenever I found this, and I think it's been more than 10 years ago that I found it, four remained faithful to Christ, a tiny percent more than just one out of 10. Who here has not grieved at friends and family who have turned away from serving God? Or worse, even worse, denied the faith they claimed to believe at one time. So it's not how you start, but it's how you finish that matters. Is that a scriptural premise? Is that a scriptural truth? In Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Did you ever pay attention to that last phrase? Every man a ruler among them? A few years ago, that, that phrase kind of hit me. These were not just 12 men who were chosen randomly out of the different tribes, the 12 tribes. These were rulers. These were men of prestige and prominence. And I would assume they had the moral respect and, uh, uh, of, their, uh, of their equals. So they're not just 12 men, but 12 leaders. And these are 12 who saw the miracles of God in Egypt when they were delivered. They saw one after another miracle occur until Pharaoh finally said, go, take your children, take your livestock, leave. They saw what led to that. They saw the Red Sea open up. They saw Pharaoh's army destroyed. Twelve men, leaders. They went into the land. They spied it. They came back. They said, we can't do it. Ten of them did. We're no match for the enemy. We can't win this battle. We're a bunch of slaves. We know how to make brick. We know how to farm a little bit. We know how to shepherd flocks a little bit. These, these are warriors. They have chariots of iron. We can't go up against them except for two guys. Ten of them said that except for two guys. You know their names? What? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. How many know someone named Joshua? How many know someone named Caleb? How many know someone named Shapha? Or Igal? Not Igor, Egal, or Palti. I never considered naming my son Palti. 
These 10 guys you don't know anything about. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, stood up. Their faith and their endurance made the difference. And the Christian walk, my friend, is not a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's running when it's beautiful out. It's running when it's storming out. It's running when you feel good. It's running when you don't feel good. It's running when everybody loves you. It's running when everybody hates you. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. When we ran cross country, we didn't run with trench coats and army boots. I know SEALs run with army boots. I know that. Actually, Navy boots, huh? But but we didn't. We ran with lightweight shoes. We ran with uh, lightweight material shorts and and tops. So we didn't have to carry an excess weight. And yet here we are trying to run the Christian race, and we have all this garbage with us. We have this world, all this stuff with us. We try to drag it along. We try to drag our old nature along. Our old nature's dead. We ought to leave it buried and, and, and walk, rise to walk a new life in Christ. And by the way, next Sunday, next Sunday morning, the Lord willing, we'll be baptizing here again. If, you're, if you've been saved, you've received Christ as your personal Savior, never have been scripturally baptized since then, I, I plead with you, come with a change of clothes and a, and a towel or two, and we will baptize you. That's a great way to start 2020. So what about us? What about you? What about me? If one in ten finishes strong, will you be one of that, those ten? Will I be one of those ten? And what makes us think so? The odds are against us. It is the rare person who finishes strong. It is the exceptional man or woman who finishes strong. It is the teachable individual who finishes strongly. What exceptional, listen to this, what exceptional measures are you taking to ensure that you finish strongly? Cruise control doesn't work. I don't know if this is true or not, but I read in a paper, it must be true, it was in the newspaper years ago. So the guy, cruise control had just come out, and this guy got a camper with cruise control, and so he was driving down the highway, set the cruise control, went in the back to make a sandwich. It wasn't a Tesla. You might be able to do that with a Tesla. Didn't work well. At Baptist Bible College, I was told, because they're so concerned in Bible colleges and seminaries as, they should, as well they should be, of of pastors and, and full-time Christian workers who flame out, who don't survive, who don't go on and be faithful. I was told to watch out for money, women, and pride. Another guy said, gold, girls, and glory. Another guy said, finances, females, and flattery. 
And I also found out about the time you set safeguards against the money, I don't know where the checks are. I don't write a check. I don't sign the checks. I don't have anything to do with it. I don't go in and count the offerings. I don't have anything to do with that. I, so I put those fences there. Uh, and I put fences up so that I'm not alone with women. I, if you come into counsel with me and you're a lady, we're going to have that door open. Julie's going to be here. She's going to walk back and forth. I've told her, walk back and forth. Make sure you look in there. Well, some crazy woman attacking me. I don't want anybody thinking something might be going on. That's what I'm talking about. So about the time you get fences set up around the money and you, you guarded yourself and fences around the other opposite sex, you've kind of guarded. In California, you have to be careful about both sexes, don't you? So, in, yeah, yeah. Some of you guys, if I leave the door open, that, yeah, okay. So about the time you do all that, you start saying, man, I'm doing pretty good, huh? There's the pride. There's the pride. I learned a long time ago, never, ever say, I would never do what that person has done. Because that is pride. The world, the flesh, and the devil all pool their resources in an attempt to destroy each one of us. A truly evil and powerful confederacy they are. The world, with all of its allure, is clamoring for our attention. The flesh, with all of its own predispositions to sin, to wickedness. The heart is wicked. Who can know it? The devil, ever our enemy in this world, experienced, powerful, deceiving, desperate. He knows his days are numbered. These three are in collusion. Talk about collusion. They're in collusion. They conspire to bring us down. Sometimes it's not an out-and-out spiritual attack. It's not like a flaming arrow of false doctrine. Sometimes it's things like discouragement. Discouragement. That if we're not careful, can weave itself into full-blown depression. Sometimes it's wayward children. Sometimes it's parents, a brother, a sister. Sometimes it's financial pressures. Other times it's physical problems. The military out here, away from family, sometimes it's loneliness. Sometimes it's disappointment or a sense of failure or a thousand other things that would tear at our flesh and our spirit and our soul. They appear to us in lots of different ways. They, they look like schemes sometimes, manipulations sometimes, justification sometimes, inappropriate relationships, flattery, aspiration, goals, dreams. Look, you know what? Uh, Satan doesn't come to you in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and a split tail. He doesn't do that. He comes to you as something attractive, something that looks good, something that looks like it would be desired. And together, the world, flesh, and the devil, they blur our vision, dull our senses, and destroy our effectiveness. Hey, since I keep talking about running in races, one of my favorite ever poems called The Race. 
defeat. He lay there silently, a tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out. Why try? The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away. So far behind, so error prone, closer all the way. I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with this disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up. An echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here, so get up and win the race. With borrowed will, get up, it said. You haven't lost it all, for winning is not more than this, to rise each time you fall. So up he rose to win once more, and with a new commit, he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he'd fallen, stumbling. Three times he rose again, too far behind to hope to win, but still he ran to the end. They cheered the winning runner as he crossed first place, head high, proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line last place, the crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and hard and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all, and yet all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Quit. Give up your beaten. They still shout in my face. But another voice within me says, get up and win that race. That's what Jesus does. When you fall down, he, he says, get up. Let me help you up. Hey, Elijah, what's the matter? Oh, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one faithful. I'm the only one serving you anymore. Hey, here, eat a little bit. Take a nap. Drink some water. Hey, how you feel now, Elijah? I'm the only one. Eat some more. Rest a little bit more. Get up again. They've got 7,000 that haven't bent the knee. He finds us when we're down. Though we may give up on ourselves, he never gives up on us. Never. 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 You're not beaten until you stay down. You're not out of the race until you quit. Christian, how you doing? Where are you right now in that race? Out of this first 12, only Joshua and Caleb remained strong, but there was another 12. This is encouraging. There was another 12. And all but one of them, who was one notable exception, of course, made it. Oh, they had their times of doubts. They had their times of falling down, but they made it. 11 of the 12, they weren't perfect, but every single one of them finished strongly because they kept their eyes on Jesus instead of the world, the flesh, and the devil. They kept their perspective, and in Jesus, we fix our eyes upon him. We gaze upon him. He will be the one who paces us. He will be the one who encourages us along the way. He will instruct us, and one day in an instant of time, our race will be over. 
Either Jesus Christ will come back or he'll take us up. And we'll cross that finish line and this life on earth will be over. And because we have listened to him, because we have obeyed him, we real, will realize that we didn't just finish, but we finished strongly. <clears throat> Some of you from other church here, you know, <clears throat> I've said this before. My goal at one time was to pastor a megachurch. We had incredible growth from about 75 to over 1,000 in about three and a half years' time. Built a new building. Got up to about 1,600 or so on a weekly basis. My goal was to build a large church. And over the years, my goal changed. Now I've got three goals, really. I want to finish faithful to God, first and foremost. Faithful to my wife. And faithful to my family. And faithful to my church. That's my goal. I don't want to flame out at the very end. How many miles did the Columbia Space Shuttle travel? I can't remember. I can't recall... I just know that it was 16, it, it traveled tens of thousands, maybe hundreds. Of, I'm not sure if that was one that went I don't. I don't recall if it was one that went around the moon or what. If it was, it was like a zillion miles or two. But 16 minutes from home, from touchdown, it flamed out. Remember that? Remember those pictures, some of you? Remember it falling apart? This is, this is the Columbia. This is pieces of it. All, all this stuff is breaking up 16 minutes from home. Travel a million miles or two, I don't know how many miles, and the last few flame out. I don't want that to be Jim Bezos' legacy. I don't want it to be your legacy. I want us to finish faithful to the end. Would you bow your heads? How you doing, Christian? Where are you in your race? Have you fallen? Have you fallen down? You don't really want to get up again? He'll help you. He'll help you. Get up. Keep on keeping on. Run the race. It's not how you start. It's how you end up. End up faithful. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would encourage discouraged hearts here. I pray you would woo hearts that have gone astray and have wrong values or wrong goals. I pray you'd give new hope to those who are hopeless right now for whatever reason. I pray you'd give new energy to those who are tired. I pray you'd be the bread of life to those who are hungry and the water of life to those who thirst. I pray you would be everything we need to finish this race for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Our invitation is going to be very simple. <clears throat> David, Lassiter in the very back. John, would you come down here to the front? Guys, you need a man to pray with. David right back here. John right here.
Ladies, my wife's over here. Rachel's over here. Something you need to pray about. Something Maybe you're in a valley right now. Maybe you've fallen out. Maybe you've got some real difficulties you're going through, and you need someone to pray with you. If you need to know Christ, you come and ask these people. They'll tell you. Ladies right down here. Guys right down here in the back. As we sing our invitation, come on. Don't wait. Come on. Very first verse. You are love. You are love. On display for all to see. You are light. You are light. When the darkness closes in. You are hope. You are hope. You have covered all my sin. Sunday of 2019, and uh, boy, next Sunday be here. Uh, If I could ask John and Patsy to come, uh, they've got something they're going to do here in just a minute. While they do that, let me give you a couple of um, other announcements. Tuesday, New Year's Eve. Um, So, by the way, New Year's Eve is no excuse to dishonor and and to not glorify God. I just want everybody to know that. Does everybody know that? Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us a, a freebie, you know, where we can just go out and be debauched, all right? So, <laughs> men's breakfast this Saturday, 8 o'clock right here. We got a new study. Uh, tell What chapter, uh, Dan? James. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, okay? Jaime, 2, okay. All right. How about that, Monica? Uh, all right. Uh, 8 o'clock, if you want to come help set up, come help cook, come be here before that, uh, 7.15, 7.30 would be good. And then next Sunday, Time is Life. Time is Life, we start our life management series for the month of January, Time is Life, and a communion service also next week, uh, first Sunday of the month. Coming up, Windsurfers First Class will be January 12th, Uh, excited about that, that'll be for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and um, we're getting that all set up this week. And Julio, I need to see you about something right after that. Okay, and then I'm going to be starting in February. Now, pray about this. This is my plan is right now. Um, February and March, I want to do a prophecy series. I haven't done a prophecy series, I suppose, 15 or 20 years. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be some goofy, weird idea that somebody might have about what might happen. This is going to be, I'm going to title it, Things I Know Will Happen. And they're prophetic things, things in the future, but they're things we know are going to happen. They're not just some speculation, some ideas. So that'll be in February and March. Be praying about that. And we have had uh, several um, Financial Peace University classes. Um, 
here lately, taught by the Lauer family, and so we have some graduates, and they're going to share with us those names. We just finished our third class, and I would like for those participants to come up, please. During this year, 2019, we had 33 graduates of this course, and they have, all of them have learned how to handle their finances, and we have some great success stories, and I'm thinking in 2020, we're going to have some of those aha moments where people come up here and say, we are debt free because these yeah. people are working at it. They're working hard. Yes. So we would like to give out um, some certificates to um, these people. And then if any of them have anything to say, and then John will close in prayer asking for uh, guidance from the Lord from all 33 who have come to our classes. In 2020, we're going to have one class. And that will begin in February. So start thinking about attending this because it will change your life forever. Anybody want to speak while I hand these out? I would just encourage anyone to uh, come and give the classes a chance. Um, you'll learn something. You'll learn something, and I believe it'll, when you apply it, it'll really make a difference. just say that this class is doable for anyone, even if you can't attend every single uh, Sunday morning class, to not let that scare you away from taking the next step to uh, financial freedom, because he was out in Washington during our class, and I was in and out of town, but I, you're able to take the classes online and have the group for accountability as well. I just have to say something, too. I, yeah, that, I'm a, one of the messages in life management for the month of January is going to be getting out of debt, being debt-free, owe no man anything. Is is not just meaning, you know, don't owe them. I mean, it means don't owe any man anything. And so uh, there's a super freedom in not, having, not being bound by debt. So uh, we will be talking about that, and then this class, the next class will start up again. And it's been an incredible blessing to anyone, everyone I know who's been through it and put it into practice. They're all scriptural principles, and that's what makes it work. So, yeah. Anyone else? Okay, well, you look up here and you see that this was a motley crew, as they say, <laughs> which means diverse, which means a variety. We have the young and the old. <laughs> I don't mean to point out... <laughs> And the military, so for you military folks that are here, uh, several military people have been with us, and there's all kinds of great things you can do through the military to help you get out of debt, and this class will help you that way. For the rest of the people that have been in future classes, just stand at your seat so everyone can see you. Former classes, I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, it's a great opportunity. I challenge you all to consider you want to do it. You want your money to be in control of you. 
God's money, rather, be in control of you, the money that God has given you to, to, to take care of, or do you want to be in control of that? And hopefully you can join us if you're interested in February. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for these folks. Thank you for their desire to take the money that you have given them and be responsible to glorify you with that money. We pray that each of them could be growing in that way as they grow in you. Help all of us to do that. Help all of us to be standing for you, Lord, to be going forward for you and ending for you. And we praise you for today, praise you for this class. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. May you have a wonderful rest of the Lord's day. Money is